How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Afternoon and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Rimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined with uh, joining you for the next two hours, and joined by a very good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling, message development, and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad is also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4U.com. That's T-I-L-L-E-R, the number four, com. It is the social media network for politics, and he also lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon, that's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N, and you can check out his website, BannonCR.com. Brad, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on with you, Mark. Uh, we had a pretty exciting night last night, didn't we? We we definitely did, and I know, I'm not, I'm not sure if the numbers came out. Uh, I know they're supposed to come out, the official viewership numbers, uh, pretty soon, but the estimated viewership, according to a tweet earlier today by Good Morning America, had it estimated at over 100 million viewers, over 6 million uh, tweets sent regarding the debate, and over 18 million, uh, almost 19 million people engaged uh, on Facebook, so obviously uh, his, uh, you know, a, a viewership and following on, on on social media of historic proportions, which obviously the the pressure was on. You know, a very um, close race. Uh, if you look at the polls, you know, closer than I think a lot of people expected. With a lot of the uh, follies that Donald Trump had since he won the Republic Republican nomination, but he tends to uh, he's tended to kind of to stay close in the polls. But I think obviously for those who are being objective, a decisive win uh, in the debate. Uh, for Hillary Clinton last night, and uh, I, one tweet that kind of um, encapsulated it for me was actually John Kasich's uh, head political advisor. Uh, it was only two two quick phrases, but he said, "Number one, Hillary uh, kicked Trump's. I can't say it on on air, but but we'll and we'll uh, we'll uh, replace it with. And number two, Trump helped her uh, yeah. helped her do that. And I thought that was uh, a very very good job summarizing what was ninety minutes of exciting television. But before I want to get uh, my opinion out and, and uh, those of our callers who can always join us at eight 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 six Leslie. That's eight 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 six five three seven five four three, and we'll have plenty of sound uh, on the debate. I want to get your just overall um, takeaway from last night's uh, debate, Brad. Before we get into specifics. Well, uh, I agree. The uh, the uh, USA uh, CNN survey showed uh, Hillary Clinton winning the debate by about forty percent, and it was interesting uh, reading today and 
watching the post-game analysis last night, uh, what was remarkable about the reaction, I thought, is basically all the Republican pundits uh, and consultants thought she won the debate, too. Uh, so it just wasn't Democrats like me rooting for Hillary. Uh, most of the Republicans I saw last night or read uh, today um, also thought she decisively uh, won the debate. Uh, you read a tweet. My favorite tweet uh, was from Jerry Springer, of all people, uh, who, after watching the debate, wrote, Hillary belongs in the White House. Donald Trump belongs on my show. <laughs> uh, I think that sums it up a lot. <laughs> that was that's pretty impressive. Um, I want to go down the list of the of, of the following specifics from the debate. I know a lot of our audience is very engaged and got to see, if not most of it, um, all of it. Uh, but I want to get into what I thought were some of the most memorable parts of last night's debate. I do think that um, there's plenty to get to, so I want to get right into it. And again, our, our callers are welcome to join us at eight 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 six Leslie eight 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 six five three seven five four three to get uh, their reactions to last night's debate. Um, what did they think of the overall debate? Each candidate's performance and any specific issues that they wanted to bring up. I thought one of the uh, biggest memorable moments from last night's debate was the question by Lester Holt to Donald Trump about why he led the birther uh, movement against President Obama, number one, and then number two, after it was clear that President Obama released the long-form birth certificate that Donald Trump just recently said, yes, I believe that, you know, I believe that uh, makes it clear that he was uh, is a U.S. citizen. Why did he, and as Lester Holt pointed out, 2012, because that was in 2011, why then in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and part of this year did Donald Trump not say outright that President Obama was a U.S. citizen? Why did he lie and say he was not? So we're going to go to that exchange now and then get your reaction, Brad. Five years, you perpetuated a false claim that the nation's first black president was not a natural-born citizen. You questioned his legitimacy. In the last couple of weeks, you acknowledged what most Americans have accepted for years, the president was born in the United States. Can you tell us what took you so I'll, I'll tell you very, well, just very simple to say. Uh, Sidney Blumenthal works for the campaign and close, very close friend of Secretary Clinton and uh, her campaign manager, Patty Doyle, went to, during the campaign, her campaign against President Obama, fought very hard, and you can go look it up, and you can check it out, and if you look at CNN this past week, Patty Solis Doyle was on Wolf Blitzer saying that this happened. Blumenthal sent McClatchy, highly respected reporter at McClatchy, to Kenya to find out about it, they were pressing it very hard. She failed to get the birth certificate. When I got involved, I didn't fail. I got him to give the birth certificate. So I'm satisfied with it. And I'll tell you why I'm satisfied with it. That was because I want to get on. I, I'll let you respond. That's important. But I just want to get the answer here. The birth certificate was produced in 2011. You continued to tell the story and question the president's legitimacy in 2012, 13, 14, 15, yeah. as recently as January. Well, just listen to what you heard. <laughs> and clearly, as Donald just admitted, he knew he was going to stand on this debate stage and Lester Holt was going to be asking us questions. So he tried to put the whole racist birther lie to bed. But it can't be dismissed that easily. He has really started his political activity based on this racist lie that our first black president was not an American citizen. 
There was absolutely no evidence for it, but he persisted. He persisted year after year because some of his supporters, people that he was trying to bring into his fold, apparently believed it or wanted to believe it. But remember, Donald started his career back in 1973 being sued by the Justice Department for racial discrimination because he would not rent apartments in one of his developments to African Americans, and he made sure that the people who worked for him understood that was the policy. He actually was sued twice by the Justice Department. So he has a long record of engaging in racist behavior. <laughs> and the birther lie was a very hurtful one. You know, Barack Obama is a man of great dignity, and I could tell how much it bothered him and annoyed him that this was being touted and used against him. But I like to remember what Michelle Obama said in her amazing speech at our Democratic National Convention. When they go low, we go high. And Barack Obama went high, despite Donald Trump's best efforts to bring him down. Brad, before I uh, give my opinion on that exchange, I want, I want to get yours. Well, uh, for, you know, that was a pretty typical exchange last night, I thought. Uh, in my opinion, the best way to go after Trump is just to tell him what he said in the past. Uh, and that's essentially uh, what Lester Holt did last night. He said, uh, you've been involved in this birther thing. Uh, you know, you've changed your mind. Can you explain that? And he never did. Uh, he, anytime he's forced to uh, make, uh, he's on the defensive, he doesn't really defend himself. He tries to shift the attack. So he never answered any of these uh, questions that Lester Holt answered. Uh, and my guess is he didn't because he didn't have good answers for them. Yeah, I think, you know, the weird uh, one thing that David Axelrod said, who, of course, was, uh, you know, leading President Obama's uh, 2012 campaign, um, he said that, you know, this attack by Donald Trump uh, trying to shift the, uh, the attack towards Hillary Clinton. Trump just went down the rabbit hole and was just trying to explain this weird, convoluted attack on Hillary Clinton, which, you know, CNN, I was actually watching the coverage after they had Patty Solis Doyle on there and they replayed the clip that Trump, you know, alleged she admitted this on, you know, when he was when she was on with Wolf Blitzer. And that a that's not what she said. Like, even if you watch the clip and you don't listen to her after the show, but then you, you do listen to the exchange between her and the whole panel, including two Trump supporters. Uh, uh, I, ca I can't think of the one. One uh, female uh, supporter, but then there was Jeffrey Lord, and neither of them like agreed with Trump and said this happened. You know, this was just this weird like conspiracy theory again, which the whole birther movement in the first place was. So he doubled down with the weird conspiracy yes, theories. He did. And I, I think the other thing, and you don't capture it uh, with audio, is while. Uh, Hillary, while Lester Holt was speaking and Hillary was speaking, uh, Trump was grimacing. Uh, he looked like his head was about to explode. Yeah. Uh, and the optics of that are horrible. You know, it's like that the famous Nixon-Kennedy debate in 1960. Uh, Nixon looked horrible, uh, and uh, people thought he lost the debate. Well, not only did Trump not make much sense last night when he actually talked, uh, but even when he was uh, not 
on camera uh, or on the split screen, he was making faces, he was grunting, uh, he was, uh, you know, he looked like his head was about to explode. And if you looked at the other, from the other side, when Donald Trump was talking and Hillary Clinton Brad, I think we lost you there for a minute, so let's go to break, but uh, we'll come right back to that point. I think Brad brings up a great point about body language, which a lot of p- people say, you know, people do pay attention to. You know, it was, I thought, one of the most glaring moments, which you'll get to, is Trump was talking about, you know, attacking Hillary Clinton's stamina, and in the meantime, you know, she looked as spry as someone, you know, <laughs> my age, who's, you know, half her age uh, or younger, and he just was, you know, he couldn't stop drinking water, hunching over, sniffling, you know, grunting. The guy did not look like a man who should be attacking anyone for their stamina, let alone, you know, making it sound like he had some great stamina. So I thought the body language was definitely interesting. Uh, We're going to get back to uh, some more audio from the debate. If you'd like to weigh in on this or any other points of last night's debate or its effect on the race, you're more than welcome to join myself, Mark Grimaldi, or our guest Brad Bannon at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543, and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, along with our good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. Brad, uh, before uh, we went to break, I know we were talking a little bit about body language. Uh, we were talking about uh, Trump and the exchange on him being the uh, originator of or launching his political career on this racist uh, birther movement. Uh, definitely, I would consider, and many what others others would consider, uh, one of his big mistakes. Uh, we have a caller uh, who wants to discuss that uh, or some of other Trump's other mistakes uh, uh, last night and uh, throughout this campaign, Omar in uh, Portland. Thanks for joining us, Omar, and go ahead with your thoughts. Well, I actually think that it was just a true fact that Donald Trump can never take responsibility for his own mistakes. It was pathetic the way... He always has to pass the buck. It's like, you know what? I'm never wrong. I can never admit when I'm wrong. I cannot show people wrong because that shows weakness. But I think for him to keep this crap going and lying to heart is a disgrace to this country. And it's somebody we do not need in the White House right now. No, I couldn't. We do not need him. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's. I think it takes. Uh, it takes a certain type of person to be able to admit when they've made a mistake. And, you know, you would hope that those qualities would be in the leader of your country to show humility and to show that there's accountability. I mean, I just could not imagine how unaccountable this man would be for not only his words. Right now it's words. But if he becomes president, it's going to be actions. And if he can't be held accountable for his own words, I mean, and that's the thing. It's not someone deciphering how he said 
said something or what he meant. I mean, these things are as clear as day, as Hillary Clinton pointed out and many others have pointed out, including the moderator last night. He launched his political career based on a racist lie. And when he was asked about it, he did not address why he did it. He tried to, as you said, deflect blame with some weird, you know, conspiracy theory 2.0 on this issue, as I would would refer to it. And then number two, when, you know, they asked him, okay, fine. You got you. He released the long farm birth certificate, which you said a couple of weeks ago satisfied your you know suspicions about whether or not he was a U.S. citizen. That does not answer the question why you kept perpetrating the lie in 2012, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Thank you very much. So I could not agree with you uh, any more, uh, Omar. And I really appreciate you calling. Uh, before we let you go, did you have any other thoughts on last night's debate? No, it just shows that uh, um, they say a body language speaks. It just showed that he was. He was unprepared for this. I, I couldn't event. agree more and with you. He, he did not have. Uh, he complained it on a faulty mic, but I think the only thing that was faulty was his actions at the debate. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, somebody it, that's like somebody said today. Uh, it's like when you're playing a, a video game and you blame your poor performance on your controller or something to that effect. Uh, Brad, you were talking yeah. a little bit about. Yeah, uh, you know. One thing, Trump said, uh, you know, a reporter asked him a few weeks ago what he was doing to prepare for the debate, and Trump said, I don't believe in debate preparation. And I thought to myself, well, that's one thing he didn't lie about, uh, he, to prepare for the day, debate. It was obvious. You know, I mean, when you're hosting this show, Mark, um, I don't think our listeners know uh, that you spend several hours before you even go on the air preparing the show. Yes, that's very true, as Brad would know by the emails he gets from me, at, for instance, and Andrew at 4.30 in, this morning, <laughs> which I stayed up yeah, until. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not like you walk into the studio and start talking on, on the air. Uh, but, you know, that's what Donald Trump sounded like last night. He clearly didn't do much preparation. And he just walked on the studio and, you know, winged it as he, as he, he usually does. Yeah, uh, it's it, like stream it of consciousness. Horrible. It's like stream of consciousness with him. Whatever happens to come to the forefront of his mind. And, you know, it was interesting. They had um, a group of undecided voters uh, in the CNN uh, uh, area with Pamela Brown last night. Um, and, you know, they were asking them their opinions. And I believe the final tally... Uh, said something like, I don't know, 16 of 20 said that Clinton won the debate, uh, or it might even have been 17 of 20, if I'm not mistaken. But they asked people, okay, you know, how many of you did this actually convince you to vote for a candidate? And uh, it was uh, by, by a margin excuse me, of almost four to one for those who did make a decision last night that they would vote for Hillary Clinton. And one of the gentlemen they asked why, uh, and this was a group of undecided voters in Florida, why did this debate convince you to vote for Hillary Clinton? And the man said it, Donald Trump had months and months to prepare for this debate, and he was so inadequately prepared that it was such a disaster that if, if this is how he treats something like a debate, you know, when there's not, you know, huge consequences of actions, you know, on the free world, imagine how his lack of preparation uh, would unfold if he was president of the United States. With that thought, we'll be back after this break.
Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by Brad Bannon. Uh, before we get back to your calls, which you can join us at 8886-LESLIE, that's 888-653-7543 if you want to share your thoughts on last night's first presidential debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, which I thought was interesting to note for um, for those who uh, may not have thought about it in this uh, historical term, but last night the first time that a female nominee has been on the presidential debate stage at at this stage where it's two candidates and i thought uh, hillary clinton did a great job um making it a good night for the uh, first female candidate uh debating in a presidential election not primaries but presidential election debate um this was one of the i thought more um i guess pointful i'm not sure the adjective i want to use here but but one of the moments from last night's debate that I think will stick in the minds of voters, and it should because I think it's still, what is the biggest unanswered question left? We know so much about these candidates. You know, the media has known so much about Hillary Clinton uh, for the past 30 years as they've dug into her background. Donald Trump, not so much, which is why I think we're still seeing stories come out about him. But why is Donald Trump not releasing his tax returns, the first candidate in 40 years on either side, not to release their tax returns? Um, and that question was asked by the moderator last night. Here's what happened. Appreciating our trade deal. The IRS says an audit me. of your taxes. Uh, it's, you're perfectly free to release uh, your taxes during an audit. And so the question, does the public's right to know outweigh your personal... Well, I told you, I will release them as soon as the audit. Look, I will release my tax returns against my lawyer's wishes when she releases her 33,000 emails that have been deleted. As soon as she releases them, I will release, I will release my tax returns. And that's against my lawyers. They say, don't do it. I will tell you this. No, in fact, watching shows, reading the papers, almost every lawyer says, you don't release your returns until the audit's complete. When the audit's complete, I'll do it. But I would go against them if she releases her So email. it's negotiable? It's not negotiable. No, let her release the email. Why did she delete 33,000? Well, I'll let her ask that, but let me just uh, admonish the audience one more time. There was an agreement. We did ask you to be silent, so it would be helpful for us. Secretary Clinton. Well, I think you've just seen another example of bait and switch here. For 40 years, everyone running for president has released their tax returns. You can go and see nearly, I think, 39, 40 years of our tax returns, but everyone has done it. We know the IRS has made clear there is no prohibition on releasing it when you're under audit. So you've got to ask yourself, why won't he release his tax returns? And I think there may be a couple of reasons. First, maybe he's not as rich as he says he is. Second, Maybe he's not as charitable as he claims to be. Third, we don't know all of his business dealings, but we have been told through investigative reporting that he owes about $650 million to Wall Street and foreign banks. Or maybe he doesn't want the American people, all of you watching tonight, to know that he's paid nothing in federal taxes because the only years that anybody's ever seen were a couple of years when he had to turn them over to state authorities when he was trying to get a casino license, and they showed he didn't pay any federal income tax. So that makes if he's smart. paid zero, that means zero for troops, zero for vets, zero for schools or health. 
And I think probably he's not uh, all that enthusiastic about having the rest of our country see uh, what the real reasons are, because it must be something really important, even terrible, that he's trying to hide. And the fight. And I think that was uh, potentially in a moment of rough, uh, rough parts of the debate last night, the, the, the roughest, I think, for Donald Trump, because it brings up real questions about what he's hiding. And he gave no good answer. The fact checkers at CNN's reality check team and many other fact checkers have done so throughout the debate. And they did so again after last night saying, why uh, did Donald Trump not release his ta- Why is he not released his tax returns? He says it's because he's under audit by the IRS. The IRS has released a letter saying there is no prohibition on releasing your tax returns to the public while you're under audit. So it's been proven that it, that is just completely and utterly false. And then Hillary got to many issues. What we do know about previous financial documents that he's disclosed, which are that he's not as charitable as he says he is, uh, which we found through reporting by the Washington Post about the Trump Foundation. Uh, And he himself, which I thought was one of the biggest moments of last night, said Hillary said maybe it's because he's paid zero in federal taxes. He said, that makes me smart, for those who didn't hear him on the mic when she said that. So he all but admitted that he didn't do that. And then I thought, perfectly, she came right after saying, that means zero for troops, zero for health care, zero for this nation's infrastructure, zero for the children of this country and our education system. And I thought that was probably, that was the moment that stuck with me after last night's debate the most. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Brad, and then we'll go to our callers with that. Well, you know, in my opinion, it was, he was almost... He was like boasting that he hadn't paid any taxes. And it's more, uh, you know, they knew all the tricks. Uh, Brad, I think we're having phone issues, so we're going to have to try to reconnect with you. Why don't we go to uh, our callers? Uh, we're going to go to uh, Reggie, who is on uh, line three. Reggie in Virginia, go ahead with your thoughts, Reggie. Happy Tuesday to you, Mark. Thanks, Reggie. You as well. So what did you think? Did you uh, follow any of the debate last night or just read it and listen to some clips after? How did you uh, catch up on the news regarding the debate? Well, I uh, watched and read watched and read and followed some clips afterwards. I thought that overall she, she cleaned his clock, or should I say he kicked his ass, because I thought his face was going to turn super beach red along with his orange hair, uh, orange toupee of his, you know, when she questioned him or responded to him about what he has or hasn't done for the the, the American people, rather. And, you and know, for what, him to, what did him, you think about that exchange regarding the tax returns? Because I think it brings into question not a matter of, like, these, these candidates arguing matters of opinion. Those were matters of fact, which is it's a fact that he has not released his tax returns, and he's the first candidate on either side in 40 years not to do so. And then when she questioned, I mean, he did her a favor when she questioned, is it because you've paid zero in federal taxes? And he said, that makes me smart. So he all but admitted that while Americans pay their fair share of taxes, he thinks it's smart that he pays zero taxes. I mean, how is that fair? And how does that somehow make him a champion of the people? I mean, I think that's just absolutely absurd. It doesn't. It makes him stupid. It doesn't. And it makes him unpatriotic, I mean, because he he claims that he cares about all these people, like our veterans, uh, the middle class, yet, you know, he wants to pay zero taxes to support these programs. 
and he doesn't want that for you know other people in our country. And his tax plan shows that that's what he thinks because, as the nonpartisan fact checkers have said, his tax plan cuts cuts taxes for the richest people in this nation. Which, as many people know, and we remember very well, Reggie, the Bush years and the Bush recession was brought on by those tax cuts for the ultra rich. And he wants to double down on that and actually bring back the economic situation that led to the recession. So to me, he's got a terrible losing argument on the economy if his plan is to go back to tax cuts just like George W. Bush did. And you see what happened to our economy when that happened. Why in God's name would anyone want to go back to that? It just is absolutely illogical. It's like, did people forget what their lives were like in 2008, 9, and 10 when we had to live through this? And you want to go back to a man who arguably has even less of an idea of what the hell's going on in this nation than George W. Bush did? I mean, I'm sorry, but I never thought I would say this, but I thought George W. Bush would be, go down as our worst president in history, and God forbid Donald Trump gets elected, he's going to make us wish for the days of George W. Bush if, God forbid, that happens. Right, and to him, it's just to him, it's just a game, a political game, nothing more than a mere game to him. And if he can't control or run his business correctly, how is he going to run the presidency of the United States or this country or the entire world correctly? Yeah, and I think you bring up a point about his business, which is very interesting, Reggie. You know, as Hillary Clinton so aptly pointed out, he went bankrupt six times, and he has called himself the king of debt. Yet he would, you know, refer to other people who have to refinance their student loans like Hillary Clinton wants to help people do as people who want, you know, handouts. Well, what about the handouts that he got from our government, which he clearly didn't need after his father gave him what he called a small loan, which was turned turned out to be $14 million for his business? I mean, talk about being out of touch with the common everyday American. I mean, I think this guy just showed him to be completely out of which, which what he is. I mean, it's not like... Like we didn't know this, those who follow him closely. But for those who don't follow as closely as we do and were tuning in last night to really get to know more about these candidates, he came across as an out-of-touch rich guy who wants to give people who are as rich as him further tax cuts. And somehow we're supposed to believe that if we give these rich people more money and you know economic inequality is you know higher income inequality is higher than it's ever been in our history, and he wants to make it worse by giving people at the top even more tax cuts that's somehow going to help us in the middle class. While on the other side, Hillary Clinton talked about how she feels that invents investments in uh, the middle class, whether it be infrastructure, jobs, uh, tra- training for a trade, that is how we grow our economy from the bottom up. Those were the two distinct economic visions that you saw from each candidate last night. I don't know how anyone who's in the middle class or the, the lower class financially would walk away thinking that Donald Trump somehow has their back after last night, which he's tried to position himself as, and I think he was very unsuccessful last night, even those who are nonpartisan, as Brad uh, brought up, who I want to bring back into the conversation here uh, in just a moment. But I, I think it was just a complete failure on his part as far as that goes. Reggie, uh, I want to give you one more chance to give us your final thoughts before we move on here. Well, like I said, like you said, uh, he, if he can't run his businesses right, which have been bankrupt six times, because didn't his casinos and hotels go out of business? Oh. How can he run the White House? Exactly. I mean, that's his whole record we're supposed to believe him on, uh, and thank you for the call, Reggie, is his business background, yet he's went bankrupt six times. And um, to go, going back to 
back to Brad, we were just talking about the exchange on uh, Lester Holt asking Trump about his tax returns. And when he was uh, Hillary Clinton was responding by saying, you know, and, and number one, before we move on to that, again, the fact checkers have said there's no prohibition on releasing your tax returns while you're under IRS audit. So that was proven to be a lie again. But then Hillary Clinton, I think, so artfully responded. Why is he not releasing his tax returns? Because it is a political, uh, you know, play that he's making. He thinks that the, the, the harm that he's taking for not releasing his returns is less of a beating than what he's going to take than if people see what's in there. And Hillary Clinton won after what information we do know, which one of the things that came up was maybe that he's paid zero in federal taxes. And he said, that makes me smart. And then she hit him perfectly with that means zero for education, zero for health care, zero for our country and our country's infrastructure. And, Brad, I thought that was possibly the most uh, damaging moment of the night for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh you know, this is a guy who's trying to talk about his appeal to blue-collar, you know, working-class Democrats. And last night, he sounded like a guy who lived, you know, in a castle somewhere. Uh, you know, I'm smart enough not to have to pay any taxes. Uh, I uh, started a business with a small loan for my father, which turned out to be $14 million. I mean, he basically, to me, sounded like Mitt Romney did. Yes. And it's hard for me to believe that Trump can get 270 electoral votes without winning Ohio. And it's hard for me to believe that, you know, some blue-collar worker uh, watching this in suburban Cleveland last night uh, saw this guy talk about his finances and could identify with him at all. It's like, you know, this... This guy in the Cleveland suburb, this blue-collar guy, and Donald Trump live on different planets. I don't see how the guy in Ohio could identify Trump because he sounded like a rich guy who figured out how to game the system. That's exactly right. I mean, and that's what he is. I think he's done a, a pretty good job at times of deflecting from that. But when it came down to it last night, as Hillary so artfully did, use his own words against him. And I still think the biggest... As I said, Brad, I don't know if you heard before because we were having some line trouble. I think the biggest unanswered question that remains in this election is what is in Donald Trump's tax returns. There's few things that we don't know about Hillary Clinton or that we didn't know before this election. There's things we're still finding out about Donald Trump, like the fact that he's not as charitable as he says he is and that he used the Trump Foundation uh, for political reasons. But I think whatever's in these tax returns is so damaging that he'd rather take these hits than release them to the American people. And I think that's the biggest question that that remains to be asked. Um, Brad, I want to go to a a good friend of the show, Michael in the Bronx. But first, we're going to take our break, and then I'm going to have you and Michael uh, give your thoughts on, on some more audio. Uh, for those who would like to join in, we have a couple lines open. Uh, you're welcome to join us at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We're with you up until 6 p.m. Eastern, so give us a shout now, and uh, we will make sure to get you on and get your thoughts on last night's debate. And we'll also get to how does this debate last night potentially affect the race? 
states, okay, obviously it seems like Hillary Clinton had a decisive win. Well, we're going to ask Brad, what does that actually mean in terms of the terms of the polls? And we're going to look at historical data based on the post-debate polls. How did they have an effect in the presidential polls that followed after? And maybe that will give us some information about what we'll expect in the coming uh, days and week uh, uh, about how this will this debate last night will potentially affect the presidential polls between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Again, give us a shout at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall, and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We're going to get to all of our callers on uh, hold. But first, I want to get to uh, what I thought was another uh, very strong point and memorable moment from last night's debate, uh, which was an exchange between the moderator, Lester Holt, and Donald Trump on Trump's stance on the Iraq War, which for those of you who watched the Commander-in-Chief debate with Matt Lauer, Trump got a free pass despite fact-checkers saying after the fact that Trump clearly uh, did not say he was opposed to the invasion of Iraq uh, before the invasion happened on multiple accounts. He said he was for it, um, and Matt Lauer gave him a free pass on that last night. Uh, that did not happen, much to Trump's chagrin. Here's that clip. So you had supported the war in Iraq before the invasion. What makes your I did not support the war in, in Iraq. 2002. That is a mainstream media nonsense put out by her. Because she, frankly, I think the best person in her campaign is mainstream media. My question is, Just, since you, you, would you like to hear? Him, why is your I was why against your the war. Wait a minute. I was against the war in Iraq. Just so you put it out. The record shows I, otherwise. The record but why does is, not show why was you, is your The record any... shows that I'm right. I had numerous conversations with Sean Hannity at Fox. And Sean Hannity said, and he called me the other day. And I spoke to him about it. He said you were totally against the war because he was for the war. Why is and your we, judgment me, better than And that was before the war started. But nobody called Sean Hannity. Brad, if we would have just called Sean Hannity and believed what a, uh, a guy who clearly has been in Trump's corner since the Republican primary started and believe him that private phone conversations that we have no record of and just believe him that that somehow proves this audio that we do have doesn't matter. Oh, if we just call him, that's all we needed to do, Brad. clear instance where we know Donald Trump lied, uh, because I think I have seen it, and million Americans have seen the news clip of him on one of the news shows, uh, or maybe it was a radio show, uh, or both, uh, saying he supported the invasion. Yeah, he was on the Howard Stern show, and then the other clip he cited, which was when he was on Neil Cavuto, Cavuto asked him what he thought of the invasion, and Trump said, oh, I think it's great, you know, talking about its effect on the economy. I think it's been a huge success. So even that, his his second appearance, he supported the invasion. So the guy clearly got caught in a lie, and he tried to double down, and it just exploded in his face, and thankfully he didn't get a free pass, which I was worried about uh, last night. We're going to go quickly to uh, Stefan in New Mexico on line four, and then we're going to get to Michael on the other side. Stefan, go ahead with your thoughts. Oh, hey, Mark. Um, what I was thinking was that um, uh, Hillary is keeping her powder dry. 
Last night, the tipping point for me was when he accused her, well, when he accused, when he quoted her saying that uh, she said the super predator quote. Yeah, it was, now, it was, and if you look at the way he's treated minorities his whole life versus how she has, had I think it's me, a, a, yeah, a weak, weak had argument. Had it been me, I would have come right back with saying, you said that the Central Park Five should be executed. Absolutely. And she didn't. And that's when I realized, we're going to win. Because we're you, going to win. You think that she's still got more in her arsenal, which I would agree with you. I thought one interesting oh, point, you know, she Stephen, doesn't want to show up for number two. No, and I, number three will be painful. I think you make some great points, and I think that um, because the other thing is, this isn't a normal candidate. He's got a very shady background. I mean, this man is talk about as unwholesome as they come. Uh, you know, you look at his actions, public <laughs> and private. Uh, it doesn't get much darker than this man. I mean, you know, something that doesn't get talked about, Stefan. And I'm sorry, but if it was Hillary Clinton, it would. This man's been accused of rape by a 13 year old yes. in the court. 13 year old girl. Yeah, the 13 year old girl. The court proceedings are still going through, and obviously, you know. Everyone's innocent until proven guilty, but not when they talk about things with Hillary Clinton. So, I mean, look it up, people. It's it's out there. It's the truth. Uh, you know, we have it, the Huffington Post has reported on it. Lisa Bloom's uh, in the Huffington Post. So, we'll be back with more after this. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio, of for and by you, the people. afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall joined just as I was last hour by a very good friend of the show Brad Bannon who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups and democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad is also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4u.com. That's T I L L E R, the number four, Y O U.com, which is the social media network for politics. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B R A D B A N N O N. And his website is BannonCR.com. Brad, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you uh, this hour as well. Yeah, it would be uh, great talking about the big debate last night. There was certainly a lot to talk about. Absolutely, and we've got uh, some more audio to get to, but first I want to get to, uh, as promised, um, Michael from the Bronx, a good friend of the show. Michael, uh, before Michael was on, I know we had talked about um, what we thought were three of the biggest moments from last night's debate, which were Trump's racist birther claims, uh, Trump's tax returns, and his lie about opposing the war in Iraq, and also uh, Hillary Clinton standing tall throughout those moments and uh, getting her message across to the American people about her different economic vision, uh, building from the bottom up versus Trump trickle down as Trump tried to push, uh, which George W. Bush failed at. Uh, So, Michael, what were your thoughts on those moments and the other moments from last night's debate? Well, for starters, if I could have a little fun here, um, I'm sure you heard of the late comedian Red Fox. I believe so. 
uh, who's best known as Fred Sanford and Sanford and Son. If Red Fox was still alive today, he would probably go into his Fred Sanford character and shout out to Donald Trump. You big dummy! <laughs> I do remember that now. I do now that you said it. I remembered. I couldn't think of the comedian's name, but I remember. I thought that would it. help you. And here's reasons for several reasons why. Number one, one other clip in um, in the debate was Hillary Clinton gave a list of Donald Trump not paying any taxes and saying zero for veterans, zero for schools. She went down the list, and Trump turned around and said, "Which makes me smart." Now, to me, he just admitted to not paying any taxes. And add to that that since it's already reports that he has jipped so many of his employees from paying them off, it turns out that he's jipping everyone in the United States of America. And you want to call him president? And then above all, um, the guy that calls himself Mr. Law and Order, I find it laughable he's going to call himself Mr. Law and Order when he cannot even follow simple rules in the debate. Gosh, he was so doggone rude, loud, obnoxious, cocky. I mean, I can go down the list. I know that each candidate supposed to have a certain amount of speaking time and response time to certain questions without any interruptions. He kept interrupting Hillary, and Hillary just stood her ground and was getting her message across. Did she have to raise her voice a little? Of course, just to make sure that she's heard and, over, and heard over the big mouth whining Donald Trump. Michael, I want to get to uh, those two points, and then I'll let you respond. Brad, I think Michael brings up uh, a good point, which we had uh, discussed earlier, which were Trump basically, you know, Hillary was already hitting him on the fact that, you know, he hasn't released his tax returns, and then he just totally, you know, took the bait hook, line, and sinker when she said, I think it's because he's paid no federal taxes, and he said, that makes me smart. And then she went a step further after, I thought, doing a good job of, uh, highlighting her humble upbringing from her father, who was a blue-collar worker, you know, making drapes, and then uh, said, you know, they're drape makers and gave all these instances of specific people in the United States, middle-class workers, who were stiffed by Donald Trump and his business, and he said, that makes me smart, and I think it just makes him, like you said, like this this rich, you know, maniacal, evil genius, or not genius, I guess, but just, you know, this almost like Scrooge uh, McDuck sitting up in his tower, and that's exactly how he came came off during that point, number one. And number two, a point we actually haven't got to yet that I think Michael brings up, which is a very good point, is how many times Trump interrupted Hillary during the debate. Uh, Vox.com, V-O-X.com, uh, which is a, an online news website, actually did a tally, and uh, you can look it up yourself, but it shows that Trump interrupted Hillary 25 times in 26 minutes in a total of 51 times during the debate. Now, for those who want to make sure uh, we're being fair here, Hillary did interrupt Trump 17 times, even though he did have more speaking time. I find it fascinating that he interrupted her 51 times and 25 times in 26 minutes. So before Michael goes on to those first two points, Brad, I know you, you talked a little bit about the, um, the, the point about the economy and Trump uh, stiffing uh, middle-class Americans and his tax returns, and then I wanted to get your take one more time quickly on that. Yeah, yeah. Last, you know, again, I thought he came across as the reincarnation of Mitt Romney. You know, you know, rich kid gets fourteen million dollars from his father, uh, then goes on the big business built on paying no federal income taxes. Uh, 
And, you know, the other thing that Michael said I'd like to comment on, I think Michael used the word rude and obnoxious. Uh, he was. And you can't behave that way, uh, and especially if you're debating a female candidate. Uh, you know, last night, besides listening to the positions that the two candidates talk, took on various issues, Americans were looking not so much listening, but they were looking at Donald Trump, and they were looking at Hillary Clinton and making a judgment in their minds, which of these two people looks and sounds more presidential. And that, if you look at the national polls, is a big problem for, for Trump, because most Americans don't see him as having the temperament to, and personality to be an effective president. And he did, he last night, I think the way he behaved, which I would again Michael uh, use Michael's term rude and obnoxious, uh, that he wasn't acting presidential. He wasn't acting as a way to convince Americans that he could uh, you know be and look like uh, what the President of the United States is supposed to do, and putting aside anything they said about any of the issues. That is probably the most important thing that viewers got from the debate last night, looking at them and which of these people seemed more presidential. Yeah, I want to, before we go back to you, Michael, I want to play a clip uh, regarding temperament, which I thought was one of the most telling moments of the debate. Uh, I, before I comment on it, we're going to let you hear at home. Make sure to listen to the audience's reaction after Trump talks about having a great temperament. Uh, short clip here from last night. Why is your judgment any different than Mrs. Clinton? Well, I have much better judgment than she does. There's no question about that. I also have a much better temperament than she has. You know, I have a much better. She spent, let me tell you, she spent hundreds of millions of dollars on an advertising. You know, they get Madison Avenue into a room. They put names. Oh, temperament. Let's go after. I think my strongest asset maybe by far, is by temperament. I have a winning temperament. I know how to win. She does not have Secretary how to win. Clinton. Wait. The AFL-CIO the other day, behind the blue screen, I don't know who you were talking to, Secretary Clinton, but you were totally out of control. I said, there's a person with a temperament that's got a problem. Secretary Clinton. Woo! Okay. <laughs> For those who didn't see it on TV, as Brad said, the body language was just undeniably in Secretary Clinton's favor. When Trump got laughed at after saying he had uh, a better temperament than she did, he looked down. He almost didn't want let to let people see his face there. And then when it came to Secretary Clinton's turn, she just looked strong, confident, almost gleeful. Yeah, just watching I agree Trump with you, Mark. Himself. And it was interesting, that exchange, because... He, when he responded to the charge that he doesn't have the temperament, he proved the initial point that he doesn't have the temperament to be an effective president of the United States. He gets flustered. He gets rattled. Just by talking about how good his temperament is, he proved to voters that he doesn't have a good temperament. Absolutely. And, uh, Michael, uh, I wanted to let you uh, have uh, another uh, take here uh, before we let you go. So go ahead, Michael. Thanks again uh, for joining us here. Thanks, thanks so much, guys. And you know something, that it's not just that he doesn't have a good temperament. He doesn't know how to be straight up with people either. You know, lies after lies after lies. And he's going to say, oh, you can call Sean Hannity. Or some people say, I can even ask Rudy Giuliani, why would I want to talk to his partners and lies? 
You know, we are partners in crimes, perhaps, but definitely partners in lies. And he has no respect for women, as we've seen at the um, debate last night. And Hillary nailed him on that. He, she also nailed him that he has no respect or regard for the lives and safety, well-being, and respect for um, minorities and people of color. And hats and hats off and high five to the previous caller that stated that Trump needs to be um, asked about why did he still feel that um, the Central Park Five should still be executed even after they were proven innocent. I think I addressed that before. But, you know, before I go, let me just state one thing. I wish to God I had a chance to confront and even debate Mr. Trump and really put him in his place because he's going to keep interrupting me and interrupting me. I'll start off civil, all right, but I take no mess, all right? Don't call me James Brown, but I just don't take any mess. And then it could come down to a point where he will work my nerves, and I say to him, are you going to listen? Are you going to listen? Or is it you can't shut the beep up for two minutes? Yeah, Michael, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you make some strong points there. One point to bring up was how um, Donald Trump has treated women, uh, which you're going to get to after the break. We're going to get to the rest of your calls that did come out in last night's debate. Obviously, we've heard many of his comments calling women pigs, slobs, dogs, uh, very derogatory terms. And we found out last night that he called... uh, um, Miss Universe, the winner of the Miss Universe pageant when he was involved in the pageant, Miss Piggy, and also uh, a Latina woman uh, who he called Miss Piggy, this this same woman, he then called her Miss Housekeeping. So uh, very derogatory towards women and minorities. And as, as I said, the more we find out about this man's background from what we can, I mean, he won't release his tax returns and we can only guess what's in there, but he just basically admitted on stage last night that uh, he thinks it's smart to pay zero in federal taxes, uh, despite him having plenty of money to pay his fair share, uh, and just thinking that that's smart while the rest of the uh, American people have to pay their fair share. I don't see how that helps him uh, with blue-collar workers, as Brad said. Um, we're going to get back to your calls at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. If you'd like to call in, we do have uh, one line open, so uh, if you call now, you can probably probably grab that line Uh, we should be able to get to all of uh, the rest of our callers who are on hold and the next one who calls in as well we'll be right back after this quick commercial break life liberty and the pursuit of truth the leslie marshall show 8886 leslie Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We're going to go right back to our callers. Next, we go to a very good friend of the show as well, Paul in Washington. Paul, thanks for joining us and go ahead with your thoughts. Oh, hey, Mark, and uh, how you doing, Brad? Hey, Paul, how you doing? Good. Uh, well, I'll go through the general down to the specific. The first thing I think was that the general energy... Uh, did not play into Trump's favor because uh, there's a lot of hype here, a lot of anticipation, and when the, uh, I guess, the environment of the room is such that it wasn't a uh, cage match in the mud with all the uh, big-time World Federation wrestling atmosphere of the crowd cheering, that was very difficult for Trump because uh, 
it, it just it just didn't have the, uh, the I guess the the reality TV appeal to it. It was pretty quiet, and you had to talk, and that's not what he's good at. So he did start out attacking, and I find that he was a uh, he, he's a pretty one dimensional a person. He atta- he either attacks more or he attacks less. I I think that. And to to make a, a ring analogy, uh, a boxing analogy, this is the Hillary Clinton realizes that this is the first round of a three round bout, and she was just trying to see how he moves in the ring, basically. And he's rather clumsy; he attacks and he flails. But then, when he takes any counter punching, he gets very flustered, very frustrated. He did a lot of explaining, and as you guys know, when you're explaining, you're losing. That was a big problem for him. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. Uh, one of the things I saw last night uh, is that you're right. When you're explaining, you're losing. And one thing, you know, the reality is Hillary Clinton, and she showed it last night, is a very skilled debater. And I mean, not surprisingly, she's done it so often over the years. But she basically pushed the situation so that Trump was on the defensive all the time. Uh, and, you know, it's we also found out last night, I think, why Trump didn't want a moderator. Uh, because, as Mark said, he was, uh, he, the Trump was constantly interrupting uh, Hillary, interrupting Lester Holt. And uh, Donald Trump wants the cage match you're talking about, where it's just him and Hillary. And, it, and basically, because Trump knows uh, he can talk over her, uh, bully her, and not get a point in edgewise. Or he can try. I don't think Hillary Clinton is bullied easily. But it wouldn't surprise me if between now and the next debate, Trump uh, refuses to do the debate uh, unless it's just him and Hillary without a moderator, uh, because he was very frustrated last night having to wait his turn. He wants to, you know, no holds barred, so I can go after Hillary for all 90 minutes. Well, I think that's, that's probably true, but you know what? At this point, because Hillary Clinton knows how he moves, as I say, in the ring, he's very one-dimensional. He either attacks, I mean, his, his way of improving the de- his debating would be to attack more. He thinks that more is better. And as you know, as you, as you pointed out, Brad, Hillary, she, I picked it up, she knows when to shut up. She was not baited by things that she's, you know, don't get into the explaining. Hillary knows don't get into explaining things. So, uh, and the way Trump gets into explaining is he, he picks up on things that you just need to leave alone. Just leave yeah. alone and don't start explaining. But he picks up on it. And the one thing that I have to, uh, that I, I'll just focus in on this because people bring things up, but... You can't say that I. You, you can't say I can't release my tax returns and then tell us that you made six hundred and ninety-four million dollars. Thank you. Uh, you just can't do that. I mean, you look at it this way: six hundred and ninety-four million dollars is ten thousand times more than a typical Trump supporter might make at sixty-nine thousand four hundred dollars. If Donald Trump can't show that he paid at least what the, the rate the Clintons did which would mean that Donald Trump would pay $235 million in federal taxes, and if, like the Clintons, uh, charitable donations for his level at 694 would be $65 million in charitable contributions, a total of $300 million, which leaves him with $394 million left over, by the way, which would be enough to pay the taxes for 10000 of those Trump supporters I just mentioned. They all know that they have to pay their taxes but when Donald Trump says not paying your federal taxes is smart, 
which makes, if that makes him smart, it makes all the rest of us suckers. And such, that's what they are. Such I a good point. I think they might be starting to realize that. Such a good point, Paul. If you have more, we'll get you on the other side. But I, I think that's key, what you just said at the end there. If that makes him smart, then that makes all the rest of his supporters suckers. And I hope some of them start to wake up. We'll get more into that and other parts of the debate uh, on the other side of this segment. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall, 8886 Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Before we go back to Paul in Washington, I want to play a clip which happened uh, right at the end of last night's debate. And I thought it was another uh, pivotal point of the evening um, because obviously uh, voters that uh, many of the pollsters out there have talked about are still kind of unconvinced are potentially uh, moderate uh, college-educated white women, uh, some you know registered Republicans who just have trouble uh, voting for Donald Trump because of his previous comments on women. Uh, it looked like maybe he was going to skate through without having that addressed much, besides, of course, the fact that he interrupted the first uh, female presidential uh, candidate at this stage in the race 25 times in 26 minutes and 51 times compared with Hillary's 17 interruptions over the 90 minutes of debate. But it did not happen, and here's why. Clinton became the first woman nominated for president by a major party. Earlier this month, you said she doesn't have, quote, a presidential look. She's standing here right now. What did you mean by that? Uh, she doesn't have the look. She doesn't have the stamina. I said she doesn't have the stamina. And... I don't believe she does have the stamina. To be president of this country, you need tremendous stamina. The quote was, you I have, just don't think wait, she wait, has Wait a, a minute, unless she asked me a question. You have so many different things you have to be able to do, and I don't believe that Hillary has the stamina. Let's let her respond. As soon as he travels to 112 countries and negotiates a peace deal, a ceasefire, a release of dissidents, an opening of new... Uh, opportunities in nations around the world, or even spends 11 hours testifying in front of uh, a congressional committee, he can talk to me about stamina. The world, let me tell you. He tried to switch from, from looks to stamina, but this is a man who has called women pigs, slobs, and dogs, and someone who has said pregnancy is an inconvenience to employers who has said, said women don't deserve equal pay unless they do as good a job as Didn't men. And one of the worst things he said was about a woman in a beauty contest. He loves beauty contests, supporting them and hanging around them. And he called this woman Miss Piggy. Then he called her Miss Housekeeping because she was Latina. Donald, she has a name. Where did you find her? Her name Where is Alicia Machado. Where did you find her? And it? she has become a U.S. citizen, and you can bet oh, really? she's going to vote okay. this November. Okay, good. 
I thought that was a very, very meaningful moment from last night's debate. It again highlighted the way that Donald Trump has treated women uh, throughout his life. He called that woman Miss Piggy, Miss Housekeeping. And then today when asked about it, he criticized her weight again. Um, I think it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, first of all, if you see pictures of this woman, she she's a beautiful woman. And if you want to try to be objective about her weight, fine. Uh, if that's important in beauty pageants, you see pictures of this woman uh, at that time. It's laughable that he would even say that. But the point is, he played right into to Hillary Clinton's hands there. And instead of trying to somehow say, you know, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said these things about women. He hasn't he hasn't apologized about any of these comments. Then he lied and said he did not uh, call pregnancy an inconvenience uh, for business owners. And CNN's reality check team literally played the video of him saying it right after the debate. Come on, man. Anyway, we go back to uh, Brad Bannon and our caller, Paul, in Washington. We're going to wrap up with Paul and then get to the rest of your uh, calls. Uh, Paul, go ahead with the rest of your thoughts. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, so th- that exchange reminds me of something else, and it was the, the, the part where Trump said, you know, I could say something really nasty about you and your family, but I won't. That's like high school mentality, isn't it? Yeah, and it's saying, real quick, and then Brad, I'll let you respond. It's basically saying that I'm somehow admirable because I didn't attack your family. And the other thing is, I, that, I, I don't know what he's thinking. He basically wants to attack Hillary Clinton because her husband uh, had an affair. Let's think about that real quick, and then, Brad, you can respond. He's trying yeah. to go after, hold on, Brad. He's trying to go after women voters, okay? And you're going to blame a woman for her husband having an affair. Somehow he thinks that's going to play with women voters, number one. Number two, He's a three-time philanderer who openly cheated on his wives in public. Like, is this guy just tone deaf? I just, I might, oh my God, I'm like wringing my hands. I can't even take it. Brad, Brad, go ahead. Okay, well, you know, while he was talking, I was thinking, you know, he's complaining about this lovely young woman uh, because, and calling her Miss Piggy. And as you said on Fox today, he doubled down on that, essentially, rather than apologizing. And as I was saying that, I was thinking, you know, let's face it, I think probably most adult men and women worry about their weight. Uh, I know I do. Uh, And my guess is, let's say you were a woman watching that debate last night, and Donald Trump is essentially making fun of this woman, you know, because she's a little bit overweight. You know, don't you think that probably hits the court with people who are always struggling with their weight? I mean, people make fortunes on, you know, finding ways to help people lose weight, and Donald Trump was essentially insulting them all last night, and he insulted them again this morning on Fox. He doesn't know when to stop. And I think the other key part is he doesn't say these things about men, and it shows that he's sexist. He talks about women in context of the way that they look. He said horrifying things about women. I mean, you can there, there's a whole ad during the Republican primary where they actually had a great ad of women repeating his comments about previous uh, uh, things that he said about women. He does not talk about men in that context. He clearly does not treat women the same as he treats men. And for those who want to ignore it, go ahead at your own peril and watch what happens to him in November. Uh, He needs to apologize for those comments, and until he does, he should be held to that standard. Uh, I want to move on to our next caller. Thank you, Paul, in Washington for calling. We always appreciate your intake. Connor, thank you uh, so much, Connor and Phoenix, for your patience. We really appreciate it. Uh, Go ahead with your thoughts, Connor. Thank you. Well, I'm going to go back to the tax issue, and it's mostly the, the, the term fair share. And it's an issue more of the commons in that I believe that uh, 
um, the wealthier you are, the more you draw from the commons to, main, to create and maintain your wealth. And I think the wealthy people are going to benefit more from, from infrastructure improvement than, you know, the average person. And so but when we, I hate that term, fair share, because I actually think it sounds like we're in a sandbox and we're whining and we're going, you're not paying your fair share. I wish we could use something else like you're not following through with your obligation, or I don't know what else we could come up with, but oddly enough, Donald Trump pulled that up for himself, and he was using that when he was talking about uh, NATO. He said he, did, he wanted to dislodge ourselves from NATO and our obligation to NATO because the other countries, well, some of the other countries weren't paying, quote, their fair share to, you know, the group. And I thought that was interesting because then later he gets um, talking about um, how you know, he was actually kind of proud about the fact that, you know, he didn't pay any taxes in certain years that were actually disclosed. So he wasn't paying back into the commons, and he wasn't paying, quote-unquote, his fair share back into, you know, what was giving him a benefit. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. I think I'm hoping that Hillary um, will kind of get on that, because last night I heard that, and I just said, man, that is a great one for her to go after him on because he's not willing to pay his taxes to the United States, which has helped and first of all given his family and then helped maintain it and will continue to maintain it. And he wants to improve the United States, you know, and wants to improve things. But how can you do that if the wealthiest among us do not contribute what they actually owe back? And that's, you know, that's one of the things I really want her to, to hammer on. No, I think it's a, a fair point. If you want other people to quote unquote pay their fair share, then why can you not be asked to be held to the to the same standard? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very fair point. Um, if you want to talk about fairness, then then why can't you be held to the standard you're asking others to be held to? I think it's it's common sense. Um, I think that was a very strong point. And I want to next go to so we can get into just some other callers here. Uh, Dylan in uh, Phoenix. Uh, Dylan, thank you for calling. Go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, to continue on the whole fair share thing, you know, 1% of the population, you know, pays 23% of the taxes, 10% pay over 80% of the taxes. And meanwhile, we have 48% of the country who does not pay any taxes whatsoever. So to me, it kind of sounds like somebody living rent free and then telling the guy who is paying rent that he needs to pay more bills around there. You know, and instead of taxing the wealthy at such a high rate, which is essentially punishing success, in my opinion at least, you know, why not drop the rates, move to more of a flat tax type system to where everybody has some skin in the game, and from there, you know, it, it, you're, you're, demotiv- you're, you're not motivating these people to hide their money, to hide their taxes, so that way we're actually getting the wealthy to pay taxes instead of trying to take 40, 50% of their income or, you know, whatever it is that they might have made, which I- is... I think it's an interesting. Right to me. I think it's an interesting point, and I think that would be a, a good conversation to have about taxes. But unfortunately, I think last night. And the other thing that bothers me is, is Dylan, I, I think it's great, you know, for these candidates to talk about what they believe, but I think it's 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 only fair for the voters to have a look at their rhetoric versus their own personal record. And if you're talking about taxes, how can we know if this man is is telling the truth if he won't disclose his we tax don't. returns? Yeah, we don't. I, I, I think Trump let the cat out of the bag, and he did it because of pressure from Hillary Clinton. I think more or less Trump admitted last night why he's not releasing his returns, and it's, I think it's basically because he hasn't paid any income taxes. So 
So when you talk about the Americans who don't pay taxes, uh, Donald Trump is clear, my guess is he's one of them, you know, along with larger corporate entities like General Electric, who make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of profit and find a way to avoid uh, paying tax, federal taxes every year. And again, for a guy who's trying to identify and recruit a blue-collar voter, you know, maybe a guy who, you know, works at a, a car factory in Ohio somewhere, uh, he sounded like Little Richie Rich last night, uh, which I think is devastating. Yeah, and I think, well, Dylan, you're talking about, you know, a, a tax conversation about, uh, you know, how do, we, how do we have something where we're generating enough revenue for our economy and we all can share in the prosperity and you don't have Americans who are unfairly uh, shouldering too much of the tax burden. The problem I have with the proposal, getting away from Trump's own tax returns for just a moment, but the problem right. I had with what Trump was talking about last night, which is not exactly what you're talking about, to be fair, you're, you're talking about a, uh, somewhat of a different proposal. The, the tax breaks he's talking about are very similar to the tax breaks that George W. Bush proposed. And if you look at the problem we had going into the recession, there were many problems. There was obviously the housing bubble. Um, there were incomes becoming uh, stagnant. But you also had so many tax breaks going to the wealthy and the hope uh, from President George W. Bush at the time. I mean, it's really what he believed. It wasn't some nefarious evil plan necessarily. He thought if you put more money into the pockets of wealthiest Americans, that they would reinvest in their businesses and that would mean hiring new workers, you know, reinvestment in companies. And it didn't happen. They kept the cash on the books and they used it to uh, actually increase the value of their companies in the stock market, which unfortunately had no bearing on the American people. And you saw that because the, the prosperity was not shared. So uh, that's what concerns me about that plan. I'm not saying that there's an absolute perfect answer on the other side of it either. But doesn't that concern you that we had a, a very big test case of it in, in recent American history and it, it worked out very poorly? Yeah, but but the I, I you know I, I'm not we're kind of getting into a greed you know subject there you know you, I can't fight greed we're not going to be able to fight greed you know that's just the fact of the matter um, you know I, I mean you, you know we got Hillary Clinton who's worth a quarter million dollars in on a government salary I mean right then and there that those numbers don't add up if we want to talk about numbers that don't add up that doesn't add up as well at the end of the day we're dealing with two extremely flawed candidates and, and I understand what you're saying about the housing bubble and all that type of stuff. You know, but Bill Clinton had a big part in that as well when he, you know, forced banks to give loans to people who couldn't really afford them. And then, boom, you got this big housing bubble. People can't afford to give, uh, you know, pay back their loans, whatever it might be. Are you talking about Fannie so, Mae and uh, Freddie Mac? No, I, I, if I forgive me. I, I can't remember the exact. Uh, I well, was just I think, reading up on. No, I know what you're talking about. I would, I would encourage you to, to fact check that about the the Bill Clinton talking point because that was actually, if you go to, I think it's Politifact or factcheck.org, dot org. Um, it was actually George W. Bush who encouraged Fannie Mae and and Freddie Mac to give those uh, those loans to people who usually couldn't afford them, uh, and then you had them not being able to pay them back, which which uh, contributed to the housing bubble. The other thing I, I would bring up is. What you're talking about with, with the flat tax structure, uh, which mm -hmm. I think you know is, like I said, you're you're bringing up a point. This is how you think America could, could possibly be structured. I, you seem like a very reasonable and objective voter. I would just encourage you to look at the tax structure under President George W. Bush 
and look at what happened when the wealthiest Americans got this tax break, what happened to our economy, um, it, it, it went very poorly because, like I said, they did not reinvest in their companies. They kept the cash on their bottom lines to give them a better prospectus with their stockholders, and the money did not go into the economy. I mean, if you want to go back further, Brad, I mean, you could talk about Reaganomics and how the profit was supposed to trickle down, but as President Obama said, only the pain trickled down. Yeah, you know, again, I think one of the things we learned last night is a big problem, and I think it accounts you know, for a lot of our fiscal problems, is rich people and like Donald Trump and major corporations like General Electric don't pay any taxes at all. Uh, I think if we took out the loopholes that are in there uh, for wealthy Americans uh, and for corporations, uh, we uh, would have a lot more money and we would be in this fiscal problem. And again, it's incomprehensible to me how a major company like GE that made hundreds of millions of dollars, makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year, somehow... I pay more in federal income taxes than General Electric does, and they make a lot more money. It's not fair. No, it's not, and it's also just it does not help our economy grow. I mean, that's the problem. I think it's it's what's key. If you want to look at the two plans that they laid out you know, at the beginning of the debate last night regarding the economy, Donald Trump, that was actually one of the clear points he laid out. He said, I want to increase tax breaks. For companies in America and the wealthiest Americans, because he thinks that if you give the wealthiest Americans like him more money, that that is somehow they're going to reinvest in their businesses and that's going to help average Americans. Well, we had the test case. Unfortunately, it was a very painful test case. It it led to the 2008 uh, 2009 recession. The wealthiest Americans under George W. Bush's uh, eight years got unprecedented tax breaks. It didn't trickle down. They kept the money. It did not get redistributed into the economy, and we had a recession. So I don't see why anyone, regardless of their politics, would think, let's go back to that. How about let's come up with an idea to invest in the energy process of the future because America and the rest of the world needs energy. Somebody's going to be the the leader of the world in clean energy. As Hillary Clinton said, why not let it be America? And the other thing is, this is something that Donald Trump has talked about and Hillary Clinton has talked about. Let's invest in our infrastructure. The problem is only one of them has a plan. Hillary Clinton does. Donald Trump has just talked about it. He said, go to my website too. Sure. Go to HillaryClinton.com and go to DonaldTrump.com and look at the plans they have laid out. It's worth it. If you're spending this much much time listening to this show go to the websites during the break and look at who has actually laid out their plans and who hasn't and it's not even close this is mark Grimaldi with brad bannon in for leslie marshall we'll be right back with our last segment you can give us a shout now at 8886 leslie that's 888-653-7543 Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. I want to go next to uh, Junior in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Junior, thank you so much for uh, holding. We really appreciate you uh, calling in. Go ahead with your thoughts, sir. No problem. So I, I wanted to make two original points, but I was overhearing all the other conversations, and I just had to touch up on a couple of things. Sure, um, no problem. The Glass-Steagall Act was something that Bill Clinton repealed. George Bush just kept it going. So it's actually both their fault. I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not... I'm a Trump supporter, but I don't like George Bush. I don't like a lot of other Republicans. I think uh, Trump is in the class of his own. Um, obviously, you feel <laughs> like he's in a certain class, but that's no, fine. No worries. I think, it's a, 
I just think it's important to know that, you know, that Bill Clinton did repeal the Glass-Steagall Act, and that was passed during the Great Depression to prevent, you know, commercial banks from uh, involving themselves in investment business. Okay? Yeah, I think the repealing the Glass-Steagall Act was a mistake. I think we need the Glass-Steagall Act back, something even better, which both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders have supported, uh, which is something I would tell people to look at. If you look at Donald Trump, he has not supported that. So, yes, Bill Clinton did do that. I believe it was a mistake. Gotcha. Second, uh, secondly, you know, I was hearing all this about, um, you were saying that Donald Trump doesn't talk to men like that. You know, he only talks to women like that. Well, from what I recall during the debate, he said, you know, I never I never gave Rand Paul too much of a subject matter on his looks, or his looks were never too much subject matter, but there's, or his looks, I never talked about his looks, but there's plenty of subject matter right there. That was an insult on his looks, and he also called Marco Rubio little Marco. Do you think so that's the same fat. as calling someone fat, ugly, pigs, slobs, saying I'd it's like a, to see you? It's about their appearance. But fat, I'd like what's to... the difference between being fat and short? Br- fat really? Really, bro? I mean, come, come on, on Junior. You got All right, your first point, I'll give you like an 8 out of 10. This one, you're reaching a bit, but we only have about 40 seconds left. Go ahead with your last thoughts. I appreciate your call. I got you. I got you. Okay, so here, I mean, to me, it's the same thing. But anyway, here's, uh, here's the second thing. Michael Moore is saying Donald Trump won and that the Democrats need to stop celebrating. I'd rather listen to Michael Moore, who's a big liberal, before I listen to anybody else uh, on the mainstream media who's supporting Hillary anyway. All right, Junior, we, we ran out of time there. Brad, uh, final thoughts real quick. Uh, it's not the mainstream media who thinks Hillary won. Uh, it is the voters. Uh, in the CNN poll, I think 67% of the voters said that uh, Hillary Clinton won the debate, and only 23% said Clint, uh, Trump. So it was not the media. It was the third biggest margin ever in that poll, according to Nate Silver. So, Brad, it was, uh, it was 62 to 27%. But, yeah, 35-point margin. Mark Romaldi, Brad Bannon, in for Leslie Marshall. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.